of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It is rarely noted that the seven utterances of the Mother of God are given us in the arc of time that stretches from the first Sunday of Advent to today, the second Sunday after Epiphany. <coughs> it is as if the Church, by entering yearly into the seven utterances of the Mother of God, would have us enter into her Immaculate Heart. Does not our Lord say, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Our Lady speaks but seven times in the Gospels. Today's Holy Mass and Divine Office enshrine the last of the seven utterances. The first four utterances of the Mother of God are given us in the liturgy of the Ember Days of Advent. First, and Mary said to the angel, How shall this be done? Because I know not man. The second, and Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. The third, and she entered into the house of Zachary and saluted Elizabeth. The fourth, and Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. On the Sunday, within the octave of the Epiphany, the fifth utterance is given us. And his mother said to him, Son, why hast thou done so to us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Finally, on the second Sunday after the Epiphany, today, we hear the sixth and seventh utterances of the Mother of God. It is these that will carry us through the whole liturgical year until the mystic circle made complete once again, we enter upon a new advent. And the wine failing the mother of Jesus saith to him, They have no wine. His mother saith to the waiters, Whatsoever he shall say to you, do ye after today, the Mother of God retreats into a great silence, the silence of listening to her son's words, the silence of contemplating his deeds, the silence of the Via Crucis, the silence of Calvary, pierced only by the words from the cross, the silence of her child's lifeless body and of the tomb. The silence of Holy Saturday. 
silence of the resurrection. The silence of her wonder at the ascension. The silence of her incandescent prayer in the cenacle. The silence of Pentecost, borne aloft on a mighty wind. And finally, the heavenly silence of the Assumption. The Blessed Virgin Mary is, as the poet John Lynch called her, the woman wrapped in silence. It was in silence that the Immaculate Mother of God came to knock in 1879. It is in silence, with very few exceptions and in few words, that the Queen of Heaven continues to manifest her presence in the Church. No one can draw near to the Mother of God, the Ark of the Covenant, without entering into the silence of the mystic sanctuary. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven, as it were, for half an hour. Apocalypse 1. What is this measure of silence? A half hour in heaven can in no way be compared to the fleeting half hours of earthly timepieces. Is this silence in heaven not brought to earth in the space of a single rosary? What is the rosary but a progressive entrance, mystery by mystery, and ave by ave into the silence of heaven, into the silence of Mary? What does the last recorded utterance of the Blessed Virgin Mary tell us about her? It tells us, first of all, that Our Lady is observant. No one spoke to the mother of Jesus about the lack of wine that would have brought humiliation upon the bridegroom and troubled the joy of the feast. Mary observed quietly. She saw what would have escaped the attention of another. Her maternal heart compelled her to intervene. And so she spoke to her son. They have no wine. There is no detail of our days and nights that escapes Our Lady's notice. The maternal heart of Mary is at every moment attentive to the circumstances of our lives. Mary's silence is not the silence of one removed from those around her and absorbed in herself. It is the silence of a maternal heart, intent on observing everything that impinges upon the life of her children. There is no sorrow of ours, no need, no anguish, no temptation, no sin that Our Lady does not see and take to heart. Woman, what is that to me and to thee? My hour is not yet come. 
Mary received her son's mysterious response not as a rebuff, but as an invitation to trust. Or as the Irish say, to leave it with him. Our Lady had learned from the time she laid her Jesus in the manger to gaze into his face and to read the light shining in his eyes. This is, I think, what happened at Cana. Our Lady looked into the eyes of her divine Son and saw there the promise of the revelation of his glory. Then, turning to the waiters, she said, Whatsoever he shall say to you, do ye. This is the last recorded word of the Mother of God in the Gospels. Whatsoever he shall say to you, do ye. There is, <coughs> in the Christian life, a moment in which one realizes that a childlike obedience to the Mother of God is the beginning of obedience to the commandments of her Son. Mary is the gateway to newness of life. Come to me, she says, that thou mayest return by the labor of obedience to him from whom thou hast departed through the sloth of disobedience. The quiet presence of Mary in one's life and the intercession of her maternal heart make easy the things that at first appear difficult and altogether beyond one's strength. It is Mary who accompanies her sons along what St. Benedict calls the hard and rugged paths by which we walk towards God. At every step she offers encouragement and consolation. The sacred liturgy places these words on her lips. Listen to me then, you that are my sons, that follow to your happiness in the paths I show you. Listen to the teaching that will make you wise instead of turning away from it. Blessed are they who listen to me. Keep vigil day by day at my threshold watching till I open my doors. And Jesus completes the words of his mother saying, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, as I also have kept my father's commandments and do abide in his love. The sign of water changed into wine at the behest of the mother of Jesus and in so lavish a quantity reveals the glory of his divinity and causes his disciples to believe in him, that is, to stake their lives on him and on the efficacy of his priestly prayer. Father, I will that where I am, they also whom thou hast given me may be with me, that they may see what? My glory which thou hast given me, because thou hast loved me before the creation of the world. The prayer of the mother effectively opens hearts to the prayer of the son. The hour of the mother hastens the hour of the son, whom having not seen you love, in whom also now, though you see him not, 
You believe and believing shall rejoice with joy unspeakable and glorified. Mary's hour is whatever hour in which her children, members of her son's mystical body, are in need of her presence. Mary's hour is whatever hour in which her children find themselves in sore need of her intervention. Mary's hour is the hour in which any soul turns to her in confidence, saying, Monstrate se mater, show thyself a mother. Today, even as at the wedding feast of Cana, Mary is present in the church, observing all things and attentive to every need. Today, even as at the wedding feast of Cana, Mary intervenes quietly and effectively, even without being asked. Today, even as at the wedding feast of Cana, she speaks to her son on our behalf. They have no wine. And then speaks to us on his behalf. Whatsoever he shall say to you, do he. Mary is the mediatrix of all graces. She is the almoner of the divine munificence. She is the mother of the mystical body, bending over the little ones, comforting those who weep, and lifting up the fallen. So attuned is Mary's maternal heart to the heart of God, that she, like him, fills the hungry with good things, and causes wine to flow in abundance, lest, as St. Benedict says, anyone be troubled or grieved in the house of God.